Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Jilly. That's Jilly with a G, uh, Jilly Bruce, uh, adoptee and therapist and uh, and a fellow Brit. You know, like we don't know how many Brits on the show. It's, well, it tends to be Americans and Canadians. So um, here we are. Nice to see you, Jilly. Looking forward to our conversation today. Yay. Yay. Hello, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So let's start with this this healing question what does healing mean to you jilly mm. i have had a really good think about this and i think the first thing i would say as a recovering adoptee is more conscious ability to manage my nervous system because before it was just all over the place triggered anxious very triggerable and not understanding what on earth was going on and why. Um, but also kind of drawn to that sense of anxiety because that was the normal state. So almost seeking anxiety as well. It was sort of um, seeking highs, you know, seeking danger. You know, I used to do work that frightened the life out of me. I used to go and do massive presentations around the world and, you know, and speak, and it was just terrifying. But I did it anyway, because adrenalised was my normal, you know, and it felt alive. So now not needing to be adrenalised, being able to be calm and chilled is just a relief. <laughs> yeah. Really? So that's a big clue that I'm different now. More peace. Yeah. More peace. And not the need for the adrenalized highs. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's quite a common one, you know, that you get these adoptees that are so used to feeling adrenalized that anything, you know, nice guys are boring, you know, <laughs> for a start. But also, you know, whether that was work activities or hobbies, people really wanting to get that adrenalized fix. And I'm glad to say I put that down. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, I think so, that's my number one. Yeah, you put it down. Yeah. Explain a little bit more. How? I think through all the work I've done, I've become to recognise, A, that being adrenalised is a bit of an addiction um, and that it doesn't serve me well at all, didn't ever get any sleep. Um, and finding having a finding some peace through various practices really enjoying it and go, oh, this is what stillness is like. Oh, how lovely. I can just sit and relax and read a book, you know, not needing to be up and doing. And Yeah. yeah. Did you think it was going to be boring? I think so. I think I dreaded it would be boring. I think, oh, how dreary, you know, just to be sitting still. And, you know, I was a real on the go, you know, stick thin, go, 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 go. Next challenge, next, next, next. And it was all, of course, a distraction as well it was a distraction as well as you know being a bit addictive yeah distraction yeah. From, a distraction from what from the pain from the don't be sitting for five minutes because you might have to acknowledge that you've got some distress here you know good denial strategy actually is busy 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 do 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 they don't have to sit and feel any of this adoption pain whatsoever you know so just keep going <laughs> all that yeah. true brit soldier on <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, a denial strategy, I would say, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you remember a particular moment when you got wise to this? When I started going to meditation classes, starting to realise it. it was so difficult at first to try and meditate. It was just impossible. I'd be like Bridget the Fidget, you know, twitching around. But then eventually starting to have moments of peace and going, oh, this is nice. Woo! You know, and realizing that I needed to expand that. Mm. So you said um, a more conscious ability to manage my nervous system. Mm. That sounds quite a doy thing, whereas what you're describing to me seems more like a being thing. Yeah, and I think it. I think because we're always going to get triggered. There's a nervous system that's shot to bits that had a threat response. There's trauma in the system. So there's always going to be reactivity. There's always going to be an adrenalized, you know, over things. But now I can manage it. Now I can recognize it. I've got enough awareness to go, oh, 
nervous system's off. Right, honey, let's sit and deal with that. Yeah. You know, and within five minutes, I can have it sorted. Because I, I think it would be naive and unrealistic to expect to never, ever get triggered ever again. Because yeah. we will, you know, when we've got a nervous system that's shot to bits, you know, it's going to kick off. But now there's an ability to, A, recognise what's going on, acknowledge it and sit with it and sort it. Yeah. Rather than let it run amok for a day, you know. <laughs> Just what, one of my thoughts about how, how I see um, healing is kind of fits with that, which is basically being triggered less. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, yeah. And I came up with this a, a, a few weeks ago. I don't know if I did it. It was on a podcast or whether it was a, just a chat with a fellow adoptee. I talked about, I came with like three things, right? So we used to, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm playing with the the, the, the metaphor of a, a gun and a trigger, right? So we're yeah. triggered and there's an explosion. So we pull the trigger, there's a bang. And yeah. And, and, and the bullet shoots out and does some damage. Yes. So that's that's stage one. The next stage is when we 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 pull the trigger, and it makes a bang, yeah. but it's firing blanks. Ah. So it doesn't do any. Yes. So it doesn't do any harm. Right? Yes. And then the next time, and that's that. So that's number two, stage two, and then number three is it is when we we pull the trigger, and all you get is the click. Ah, yes. Because there's no bullet. Yes. There's no blank. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, that's a lovely. I, I like that. That works. I, I love playing with the. I, I love playing with the metaphors and extending the metaphors. Yes. You know what I mean? Because everybody yes. knows by triggered. Yeah. Yes. So I've got. I've got. An, uh, so I've got an, another one that I sometimes ask is. I ask you. I ask you right. Yeah. So what? What? What what happens when we come out of the fog? Wow. I think the fog is another word. It's a cloaking device. It's a denial device. It keeps us thinking, oh, I'm absolutely fine, actually. I went around for years. In my 20s, 30s, people would say, oh, you adopted, are you all right? And I'd go, yeah, fine, nothing up with me, you know. <laughs> and for, for me, being in the fog meant being in complete denial of the impacts of adoption. Just because of, you know, I'd believed the the story, you were special, you were chosen, all that tosh. And um, just had no acknowledgement that what was going on within me was that. You know, there was abandonment fear, there was rejection fear, there was, you know, other stuff going on. That I was just, for me, the fog is denial. Yeah. yeah. That's how I describe it. Yeah. Yeah. So what what's helped you... To this healing, to to you, you you've mentioned practices and um, meditation. Mm. And Gosh, loads. What what's <laughs> helped you to this more conscious ability to manage my nervous system? I would say twenty five years worth of work. <laughs> I was not very hopeful. Let me see if I can help that to help with the shortcut. Not have to spend twenty five years. I think it started off. Lots of workshops, lots of um, little healing workshops, retreats and things where I started to realise that I couldn't really be authentic, that, you know, it was really difficult to speak my truth. There was very much um, a don't speak, don't feel, you know, don't think, don't think, don't feel, don't express it, stuff it down, you know, that was really inhibiting me. So there's a growing awareness that why can't I do what other people can do? Why can't I just express my truth calmly and quietly? You know, why do I have to feel sick, you know, about speaking my truth? And um, so it starts with that awareness piece and then going on assertiveness training, started to do that. I mean, why is this so hard? Um, and various workshops through work, actually. I was really fortunate to work with an organisation that did lots of personal development training. So we got a lot free from work yeah. and layers of denial came away. But then and when this, I actively... This wasn't adoptee specific stuff. This no, was... just no. generic stuff. But you yeah. started to go, hang on a minute, you know, and this would be in my mid-30s. But it wasn't till I was 46 that I went to do the birth family 
finding, thinking that would make the difference. And of course, it doesn't. Uh, and then it wasn't until I was 53 that I actually started to have adoptive therapy. So you said, of course, it doesn't make the difference. So mm. finding the birth family and of course, it, why do you say of, of course? Because I was 46 when I found the birth family and it was nice, but it was fraught with anxiety. You know, as anyone who's been through the union knows. And when I first got into adoptee recovery with a gentleman called Paul Sunderland, who can be found on YouTube. Um, the first one of the first things he said to me was, so, OK, so you're adopted and you found your birth family and you don't feel any different. <laughs> like, correct. <laughs> um, and it was called like permission to accept that, you know, that actually the damage to the nervous system was done. And that whilst finding the birth family was lovely, actually, and I've had a very successful reunion, um, that I'm happy to report, it didn't take away the reactivity and the patterns because they'd already been in for 46 years. You know, the patterns were established and they don't just get erased by meeting some nice birth family. Did, did you yeah. think that they would do? I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I thought, oh, yeah, I'll be all all right when I find them. I'll be rescued. Because yeah, we're, we're, we're all living with this one day I'll, I'll be happy when yes aren't we like, yes exactly. society yes i i think I'll so i think i thought when. it was the answer i think that was the fantasy wasn't it you know i had this fantasy birth mother and what she looked like and she was a 1970s hippie chick with a daisy chain round her hair <laughs> in my head and then when of course i met this 80 year old lady you know it was a bit different but um yeah i think there was a there was an aspect of when i find them it'll be all okay yeah. But then, you, you know, you've, you've got all those ne neurological pathways of built in. You've got 46 years of habits built in and a nervous system that's shot to bits. Which doesn't alter just by meeting some folk. Yeah. Yeah. This, you, you mentioned that a couple of times. I think that's a really um, striking metaphor, you know, a nervous system that's shot to bits. Yeah. And it kind of goes with the trigger thing, doesn't it? Like Definitely, shots yeah, shots to bits, yeah. To well, it's that, you know, it's a life-threatening event for a little baby, isn't it? You're handed over, you know exactly who your mother is, you know what she smells like, you know what she sounds like, this is my safety and security system, you know, this is going to keep me alive, and then all of a sudden it's gone. And it's a life-threatening event for a, an infant. You know, it's a life-threatening trauma, you know. And that sets the, and the other thing is it's a threatening trauma without a pre-trauma personality. And if you have a trauma when you're 40, some big lads come down the street and rob your purse, you know, you've got a pre-trauma personality that knows that actually when you settle down, you'll be okay again. But when your first ever life event is a trauma, there is no pre-trauma personality to fall back on and tell you it'll all be okay. Yeah. One of my fascinating questions I ask mm. myself is how does this how, how does this life threatening trauma you know the the, the it's a, a fear thing a terror thing right yeah yeah how how does that become uh, a a belief that we're not good enough like one one thing is very emotional. Yes, and one thing one one thing involves, uh, you know, like a, a lot of thinking, and a lot yes. of perceiving, doesn't it? So one of my fascinations yeah. is how, how does how does this visceral experience become a belief? I'm guessing, but my guess is that doesn't happen till later on, because when we're very tiny, we don't have that capacity to do cause and effect. You know, when we're infants, we don't have the capacity to go X equals Y. I was given away, therefore I mustn't have been good enough. We, we don't have that capacity because you're right. The emotional trauma is in right brain, but rationale and logic is the left brain stuff. And we don't develop the bridges between the two, which is called the corpus callosum, where the bridges are that join right brain to left brain. That isn't fully developed till you're 12. You know, so we can't have made that logical move of 
I was abandoned and I, that was terrifying and a trauma and therefore I must be not worth it. I, I don't think that could happen when you're young because of the way the brain develops. Yeah. The bridges across from the right brain to the left brain are not fully established till you're at least 12. Yeah. So I reckon maybe that's something we do in adolescence or I don't know. Maybe we make it up when we're nine or ten. But well, what do we make it up out of, though? Out of the physical sensation, I would say. I remember having traumatic triggered responses when I was about five. I was adopted at eight weeks old. But round about five, I remember distinctly the parents parking bit by some shops, and this is the pork chops incident. They'd gone in to buy some pork chops and they'd parked round the corner so I couldn't see them and they'd locked me in the car. And there must have been a queue. Five or ten minutes later, a passerby finds me climbing out of the window, screaming blue murder. They've left me, they've left me. And I remember distinctly thinking, they've left me. This is it, they've left me and I'm, they've gone to France and they've left me. And being utterly convinced, this is it, this is the time I've been abandoned. And that trauma reaction was a full-blown meltdown, panic attack, you know, in a five-year-old. But I still hadn't made any story about it. I was just always frightened I was going to be abandoned again. But there was no story about what it meant about me at that point. If that makes sense. Yeah. There was no, because I must be worth, you know, it was just they've left me. That's it. Here we go. Abandonment. Yeah. So I think the story comes later, but that's a pure guess. That's not based on any knowledge, but only based on the knowledge that the way the brain develops. And they say we don't actually have a full developed brain until we're 25. So maybe those, you know, early adult, early teen or late childhood, where the, the collus collapsum grows up to the age of 12. So maybe by the time we're 10, we could be making that kind of connection between I was abandoned, therefore I mustn't have been good enough. Yeah. It, it, there's, there's some thinking going on there, isn't there? Yes, you've got to be, you know, there's there's a sensation or an emotion or a body-held, ah, you know, terror that somehow the left brain's going to try and make logic of. But yeah. that doesn't really come online to you about five. You know, when we're, when we're small, when we're infants, all we've got mostly is right side this is much slower to develop the left side. So for that reason, I say, I don't think it comes straight away. Yeah. Guessing. <laughs> yeah. So the, the podcast I released today was uh, an interview with a neuroanatomist. Ah, oh, on, say more. On this subject. Yeah. Right. So when I asked her that question, she said, well, the, the, the left, the, um, uh, the, 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 think, the, the thinking and, and the feeling brain and next to each other. So that's how it, it can happen. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they are there. Yeah. Um, her, so she, she's, she, well, she, she's Jilly with her. She's, she's Jill with her, a J. Right. Um, she's got a fascinating TED talk. Ah. That's been viewed I can't remember now, it's 20 or 30 million times. Fantastic. And it's left it's left, left brain versus right brain. Yeah. Deeping stuff. into the stuff that you're talking about. Because she, she's a neuro neuroanatomist, neuroscientist. She had a she had a stroke. And ah. she lost, she had a left brain brain stroke. So she lost she lost all her emotional baggage. 30, oh, crumbs. 37 years of emotional baggage. She lost. Fantastic. <laughs> but she also, but as she pointed out yesterday, she lost 37 years of good memories as well. So yes. there was no positive emotional charge to anything, but there was no negative, negative. emotional charge either. Wow. Blimey. Fascinating stuff. That does link into our stuff very much, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, I think it was just a slow dawning for me, you know. And, and we're making it up, though. Yeah, for sure. But who knows? Who knows? We're, we're as humans, we're meaning-making machines. We're making yes. stuff. So we have to have a story, don't we, about things? I can remember having visual memories of, first of all, being told you were chosen, 
And at that time, when you used to go into the dry cleaners um, with your with your laundry, they used to have high rails with all these clothes wrapped in plastic sheets with a pole where they unhooked the high ones because they couldn't reach them. And I had this image of my parents going into a dry cleaners and looking at all the babies in plastic covers and pointing to me and somebody lifting it down with the pole and going, this one, this is the one you want. Yes, we'll have that one. <laughs> and these weird visual memories of how I, what I thought it meant, you know, when I was like three or four. Yeah. Like, didn't, didn't the plastic say, caution, plastic may suffocate baby? Yeah, must have done. <laughs> Maybe there was holes in it. <laughs> yes, what, what I'm getting up, what I'm getting at with this meaning making thing is we're making it up. Yeah. So if we're if if we if we made it up, then we can unmake it up, can't we? Yeah. And I yeah. guess that's that that that's kind of is that, is that what you do as a therapist? Yes, very definitely. Because I think you're right. We 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 have negative bias, don't we? You know, so we tend towards the negative anyway. So if I was giving away, well, it must be something to do with me. Yeah, and then we seek signs from confirmation bias where we're looking for, yes, you see, there you are. I knew it was my, you know. And we look for signs and then we make it turn them into facts, don't we? Yes, you see, I knew. <laughs> you know, like me in the car at five. Yes, that's it. They've gone to France. They've left me. I knew this had happened, you know. And they were just in the queue for some pork chops in the butcher's shop. <laughs> so how do we see through our... How, how do we see through our made-up stories? I wish I could. I wish I could find a way to say how to do it sooner. You know, I think I think therapy helps us. First of all, acknowledging the story. First of all, writing that story down so we can see it in black and white. You know, because it's almost like a vague story in the background, isn't it? We don't actually have it as a set of words going, I must have been dreadful because I was giving away. I think it's more of a feeling, a sensation. So maybe once we fully acknowledge that sensation and go, right, this is the story I've got. I was giving away, I must have been dreadful or whatever it was. Um, I'm writing that down. And then in therapy, one could unpick that very nicely. The therapist's job is to challenge the perspective. Yeah, and and well, to to look at limiting beliefs, and and look at challenging those those cause and effect that you know, well, that must equal that really, does it? And one of the gifts for me was going through my counselling training, you know, because I did integrative therapy, which looks at all sorts of uh, uh, what do they call it, transactional analysis and CBT and all those lovely modalities. And you basically unpick yourself and put yourself back together. So, you know, we, we should all do counselling training. Because <laughs> it was that really helped me a lot, you know, to see all the patterns and the thoughts and the story that we've made up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of a hobby horse of mine, this. the belief. Yeah, go. Oh, the belief thing. The belief thing. Yeah, definitely. Because, well, it, in my opinion... In, yeah, in my from my perspective, beliefs seem more bustable than trauma seems healable. I would agree completely. Because beliefs are not facts. You know, I always say this to clients, you know, when we were all small, we firmly believed a big fat man was going to come down the chimney on the 24th of December and bring a load of presents. And we firmly believed it. And then when you got to seven or eight, you kind of went, really? But we haven't got a chimney. And where does the sleigh park? And you start to have doubt, don't you? And then by the time you're 10, you've got some new information you don't believe at all. So, yeah, I think I agree. I think beliefs are much easier to bust than a sense of trauma. What colour coat is that man wearing? Red. Because of the Coca-Cola advert. Yeah, you heard that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Heard that one. Yeah, it, so yeah. a century ago, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been red. Yeah, it, it was green, it, wasn't it originally? Coca-Cola yeah. changed it to fit. Yeah, I love that. That's bonkers, isn't it? So yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think beliefs are the easiest one, and in terms of my belief, 
it was enforced because of what I didn't hear as much as what I did hear. Because I was told your, your mother couldn't keep you and you were given away and now we've got you. But I would never heard and we will never give you away. So that was the sticky bit for me. There was this idea that your parents could give you away and now I'm with you. But it doesn't sound like this is anything certain because I didn't get the end bit I needed to hear, which was, and we will never give you away no matter what. So I just went around with this notion it can be given away any bloody minute. You know, nothing solid here. Well, presumably the, the, um, the, the, the emotional, the, the fear mm. would have obliterated that thought either anyway wouldn't it i mean you're talking about the you talk about the pork chop incident right yes so yeah no, no no rationalization no right no matter no amount of telling you no but i think would have would have overcome that fear would it no but it never got that message I, because I hate... of course, your parents know fine well they're not going to give you away so they don't think to tell you you know it just was something that was never transmitted to me you know, so because I'd never heard it, maybe it made the pork chops incident more convincing. You know, this definitely long. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, I've got. To, I need to find another word to use, a verb to use, other than this one. Go on. Fear trumps rationality. Oh, every time. Yeah, every time. Every time. Yeah, that's the benefit of a nervous system, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh dear. But I think, for personally, for me, my the best thing I've come across that has escalated my recovery no end is internal family systems. That piece of work is just genius, absolute genius. When did you, know, you do that, Jilly? The last two years, I've been working with the IFS. And it's just magic. It's the most, I mean, it's sweeping the globe. You know, it's just the best form of therapy ever for adoptees, in my opinion. And why, why do you think that is? Because it helps you get in touch with all the parts of yourself that create all the reactivity. All the parts. Like, So you've got the exiles, you've got the protectors, they all have an age range. So I know my inner teen plays up most of all. So I've, and it's, it, the IFS is so much about creating a relationship between the parts that get triggered and the self so that you can actually reparent yourself. It's that reparenting piece, which is just fantastic. I've had more success and more results with that than anything else. Brilliant. Richard Swartz, no bad parts. Best book on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> so what does the uh, title, yeah, what, what does that title mean to you? It, it's permission to feel a fragmented self because I think a lot of adoptees have a fragmented idea of themselves. One day I can be perfectly logical and reasonable and on fire at work and you know competent and another day I might be fearful and anxious and another day I might be shouting and yelling and another day I might be jealous and resentful and I've all these it's all going on and I don't know who I am and actually internal family systems just is really clear that we're not a mono personality we're a collection of sub personalities called parts and once we can identify them all and identify what their job is and what they're frightened of and you can start to create some dialogue with them Job done. Yeah. Fantastic. And what is it about that? What does that um, uppercase S self that Dick mm. that he talks about, what does that mean to you? Oh, it's my very best self. It's my wise adult. But more than that, it's me coming from a very spiritual place, from the heart, from a, a real plot of clarity. It's almost the flow state. You know, it's almost that beautiful flow state. Just clarity and loving and, you know, we're all one, you know, back to that oneness thing and really, yeah, coming from a very wise and loving place that's not reactive. It's certainly not a part. And I can tell the difference now. I know when I'm in a part and I know when I'm in my best self. Yeah. 
finding yourself at last, it feels like. Finding who I've always wanted to be. I went, oh, this is what's been going on. Fragmented, alienated from parts of the self. You know, as an adoptee, it's just that, that trauma piece. That Janina Fisher talks about that a lot as well. Sorry, who's Janina Fisher, she's one of the, the gang that worked with um, Bessel van der Kolk with The Body Keeps the Score. And she's an amazing therapist, um, superbly wise lady, um, who some of the American audience will know and love. And um, she has a new model, which is very similar to internal family systems. But she talks about the six trauma responses that will, you know, if we've got trauma, there'll be six trauma responses running, which are fight, flight, freeze, born or please, in other words, then there's attach and cry for help and submit and collapse. And, you know, at points, I think I've acknowledged all of those running. So Janina Fisher's work is incredible on trauma and how those parts live within us, how a fight part doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to go and punch somebody. It just means I might get angry or resentful or resistant or critically judgy or, you know, it's lowering the levels. It's those kind of behaviours or it's self-harm. You know, so she fits it all beautifully into the parts that are trauma, you know, and what they look like. So a lot of us might be, you know, people pleasers. You know, that can be part of that kind of response, the fawn response. So I've done so much learning as, as part of my counselling training that that's just made so many bits slot into place and go, oh, that's that. Oh, that's that look, you know, and. So I think, yeah, gaining the knowledge has been really helpful. Gaining the knowledge, doing IFS, um, cranial sacral therapy has been wonderful as well. Body cranial. health work. Cranial sacral therapy, which is body-based. That's lovely. I, You know, I identify where my little tiny baby was in my body. It was tucked under my right hip. <laughs> so, yeah, lot. I've done so much and I've spent God knows how much money. On recovery, God knows, thousands and thousands and thousands, far too much. When we should be getting this on the National Health Service. Because <laughs> you you mentioned the craniosacral, that that is body stuff, but um, it sounds like IFS is isn't body stuff. Well, it links to body stuff because. You, it might be beliefs, but it might be emotions. It might be body held sensations. You know, it might be um, tensions. It might be impulses. It's the whole system. So it's not just heady. It's, yeah, the whole system. Sensations, compulsions. Like I would have a, a flight response that would make me need to burst out the door and go for a run. You know, and it was a compulsion. It was an impulse. I could not not go for a run. It was like a caged tiger. You know, oh, I've got to go. I've got to go and run. You know, and I was literally propelled out the door. I never knew what it was. And it was the flight response. Yeah. It felt as a pent up impulse. It wasn't a thought. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't the head base. It didn't make me say, oh, I need to go for a run now. It was, you know, if there was potential conflict in the house, it would be, right, I need to go and run. Of course, what that is, it's flight. You know, and I had to go and burn it off. I was adrenalized and I had to go and burst around the, you know, around the streets and get rid of that adrenaline because I was in the flight response. I didn't know that's what it was. So that's body based, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's a whole combo. It's acknowledging, yes, the beliefs, but the emotions, the physical, you know, where do you feel your tension? Where locks up? What's your tummy doing? What sensations are happening? What physical impulses and drivers? So it's whole system, yeah. And what stops us? What what gets in the way? What's got in the way of of your healing? You oh, first of all, my adoptive parents being around. You know, I don't think I really got stuck into the healing well. I didn't until they died, because it just felt disloyal. It felt wrong. It, I don't know. My parents, you know, they died eleven years ago, and I've done all my healing since then. I'd found my birth family, but I didn't start doing the healing till my birth parents were dead. Sorry, adoptive parents were dead. Mm -hmm. So that was a big one for me. I think denial, 
you know, denying that I needed any help. And the spiritual sidestep. You know, for years I was doing a lot of spiritual work. You know, think I think we both did, didn't we? We both did um, oneness and, you know, all those lovely, which are wonderful. I don't, I think they're still very useful. But it was a way of um, calming me without looking at my issues. So I know there's a real thing now about the spiritual sidestep where it can scupper our recovery because it stops us having a proper look at it. You know, it's just like, oh, I'll go and do a meditation and I'll zone out and then I'll feel better. Yay! But it wasn't addressing underlying causes. Yeah. I think that was my big block. Parents being around and the spiritual sidestep. Because I used meditation as a tool of denial for a long time. Yeah. And not knowing what I know now, I suppose. You know, not understanding, not understanding the nervous system stuff, not understanding how that all works. So I think there's there's a lot. I've 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 done a lot in my healing journey, um, and I would love to be able to condense that right down for other adoptees in the future. You know, that could just go, just go do all this, do it earlier, do it quicker, <laughs> crack on, do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't wait till you're booming fifty yard like I did. When- <laughs> When you said uh, twenty five years, I thought, well, I'm only I'm only eight behind you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I finally feel okay. Here I am, you know, sixty one, and finally I feel like I've always wanted to be. So I would wish for other adoptees to crack on and get it done quicker. Don't wait. So you've you've said. There's there's a there's a little bit of a contradiction, but I'm sure there isn't. That's what I'm asking you about, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that you said that you did a, a bit of a spiritual sidestep? Yeah. Um, and yet you've you've also said that the spiritual part of IFS. Yes. Big help. So could you? Because yes. I'm sure there isn't a, the, the way that I, I'm 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 putting those two things side by side to ask you to. Yeah. Explain differentiate. For the listener. Right. I think when I was younger, I went to meditation classes not so much to grow myself as just to zone out. So I went to meditation classes, I went to Buddhist classes, but it was less about growing as a spiritual being. It was more about zoning out. Whereas the work I've done latterly, I still do Buddhist stuff, but it was with more attention on growing, identifying my difficulties and problems, bringing the shadow sides of myself front and forward, the bits that I didn't like, you know, the traits that I had that I was ashamed of, bringing them out of the shadow, bringing them forward and working on them. And that's what I mean by spiritual practice now, I guess, which is let's face it, let's face all the stuff that's been denied. Let's grow as a a loving human being. So, yeah, I think I have used spiritual practice in two different ways. One as a numbing tool and secondly as a growing tool. Yeah, Yeah. I think that works. (laughs) Yeah. 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 There's some real wisdom there. And here we are, finally, happy at (laughs) 60-odd. Yeah, and did it... Did it help you? Did did the spirit earlier spiritual stuff make it easier for you to get the spiritual part of IFS? Definitely, definitely. Just a bit because the one skill I had learned was how to meditate. You know, so that that tool was really useful. Um, but yeah, I, I think without without uncovering the demons and bringing the stuff out of the shadow and bringing it forward I couldn't have worked on myself as much shadow work's been fascinating as well actually that's really all the stuff we disown and deny you know no I don't do that I don't do that nah I don't do that and of course I do you know it's just tucked back there in the shadow so you can't see it (laughs) so yeah so many useful practices in my life I've got a store of personal development books, like a library, you know, (laughs) 
that I've ploughed through. Uh, what are you What are you reading at the moment? Well, I've actually gone back to reading Richard Schwartz again, but um, yeah, yeah, and I've used Eckhart Tolle and lots of other folks along the years and really enjoyed their work. And I think it's really helpful, you know, just to give you perspective and help you help you feel actually there's, there's more to life than than just this. You know, yes, being adopted is difficult. Yes, it's tough, but actually it takes my attention uh, wider, broader. Yeah. How are we doing? I think we're doing great. I was going to, uh, I was going to say, I'm going to ask you, just go back in. You said you've done lots of, um, lots of different practices. Mm. So, uh, have you tried other body-based stuff alongside yes. cranial sacral therapy? I have havening, which was very useful. Havening. Well, Haven. Haven is a is a holiday campsite. Yes. <laughs> so I'm presuming you don't. You didn't do it there. You no. don't. You don't. It was. It's. Uh... It's not hypnosis. It's it's a touch thing. It's a touch based thing, and havening is a trauma soothing modality that they do with returning military personnel. So when the army or the navy are repatriated into the UK, they come in via the northeast coast via Hull, and teams go up and do havening with them if they've done combat, and it's about soothing the nervous system. And that was very nice. That was very worth it. Havening. Yeah. yeah I presume you've got to do this sort of stuff in, in person. You can't yes. Yes. And um, there's practitioners that offer it. Paul McKenna had a hand in it. Paul McKenna's a hypnotist. Um, and he had a hand in the developing of it. And it's um, it's great. Yeah, I had quite a lot of sessions of havening. So that was good. Um, I think that probably did shift quite a lot, actually. You know, shifted some blocks and Reiki healing. I've done that. I'd bucket loads of Reiki, just used to cry. I would, I'd go in a happiest pie, you know, diddly do, hello, and sit down. And she'd put the hands on and off we'd go and I would just sob for an hour. Wow. And I think that was just letting out all the grief, you know, the stored grief that was just, didn't have words, but was there in the system somehow. Yeah. And I just used to cry and cry and cry. And I think that was letting go of the grief. Because I, I did some, yeah, wow, it's a long time ago. Um, yeah, twenty, it's come out twenty four years ago. Uh, I I did some, I I did some Reiki. I went to see this woman once. Yeah. Of, tried to a couple of different people, and one of them said that she'd never felt anything, anybody as hot as me. Wow. Uh, I, don't, I don't mean hot as in sexually attractive, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you do. <laughs> she said she'd never, she, she, she'd never, she'd never done, felt the intensity of the heat. Yeah. Off yeah. yeah. On anybody else. Well, we've got a busy system. Yeah. I can I can imagine that, and the last thing. Sorry, I forgot to tell you about TRE as well. I've done lots of TRE. That's fantastic. What does that stand for? TRE is trauma releasing exercises, and there's a website for that. You can Google TRE. Yeah. What's the company called now? Just a minute. TraumaPrevention.com. TraumaPrevention.com. Dr. David Bocelli. Too, too late to prevent it, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is actually, you're right, yeah, it is. But it really d dispels it. If I've got pent-up anxiety in the body, I just do some TRE and it's, um, oof, it's gone. So, yeah. Tons. As I'm talking to you now, I'm realising just how much I have done. Yeah. Yeah. Loads. Reiki, CST, havening. What's CST? Oh, cranial sacral. Cranial sacral. That was, it's subtle, but it's brilliant. Works really well. It's with that, you know, with the sacral fluid down your spine, it works with that. 
and oof, it's trippy. Yeah, you know, go into a very strange, nice place. Yeah. But it's not numbing, though, is it? Is it no, bit, no, 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 no. You'll be, you know, but nice, you know, a dreamy state, I suppose, is what I'd say. More of like a dreamy state. I, I once did um, on holiday in Turkey. I once did a, a strange uh, massage where it, where a where a woman. I mean, it happened to a woman. She, you know, she's in a wetsuit. I'm in mis- swimming uh, shorts, board shorts. No budgie smugglers for this boy. <laughs> um, and she, we, we were in a, a, a tank, like a yeah. swim, like a swimming pool, but it was it was it had a lid on it. Thank you. Um, I'm not describing it very well. Anyway, it was an indoor swimming pool. Let's just call it indoor swimming pool. And yeah. she had she had weights to keep her down. She had a weighted jacket so she didn't yeah. float up, and she just kind of swayed me around. Oh. Nice. Um, a bit weird, yeah. A bit Did it weird. do anything? Did it have any effect? I don't know. It's one of those things where I think um, I heard my... Uh, you, you only notice it after the event. I was oh. listening to a, one of my favourite teachers um, and he was... And somebody was trying to. Somebody was trying to. Somebody was interviewing him around um, peace. You know, finding finding that finding that peace. Yeah. And he he said, and it wasn't adoption specific or anything like that. He said, "Well, I, I flew in from the UK, uh, and I didn't I didn't sleep right. I had a chronic headache, and and then um, and." But then I, it, it went somehow, mm. and I didn't realise it had gone at the time until mm-hmm. I realised it had gone. Do, yeah, do you know I mean? yeah. You, a bit later, go. Oh, it's gone. Yeah. Later in day. Oh, right. Oh, it's gone. No. So you don't. I, I. I don't think you can. I don't think I can always put my finger on it um, with with those sorts of uh, all, all those, those sorts of events. Yes, you just kind of notice. Yes, kind of notice. So, um, you you kind of you, you you notice, but then there are some there are some healing moments that are very, you know, mega specific. Like what? But for me, well, you've heard the teddy bear story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard the story about me reading the letter about the teddy bear? No. Okay. So when I got my adoption file, eight eight years eight years after the the volcano of coming out of the fog, basically. Yeah. About that was instigated by this teddy bear. Um, I got my adoption file, and in the adoption file, there's a letter. Sorry, listeners, if you have if you heard this before. So there's a letter from my birth mum, Pat, to the social worker, whatever, adoption agency person. Mm. And she is, she starts off by thanking Mrs. Bellis for her help yeah. this week when, you know, when the placement happened. Yeah. And, and then she she goes on to say that she wanted to buy me a teddy bear, but hadn't been able to do so because the traffic was bad and she didn't want to be late for the appointment. Oh. Uh, 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 and it becomes clear what's very clear from this. It, what is very clear from this letter is that the, is that the teddy bear is not an effing consolation prize, which I you thought, I, yes. I, I, I'd, I'd said once, right? Yes, I remember. Thought, I'd thought for 20 seconds. Um, it was a symbol of her love. And I, I felt, so I'm in floods of tears, and the floods oh. of tears kind of wash away the 40 seconds of anger and fear I've had. To, 
and I realize I'm connected with her. You know, that we are all one. I, 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 I feel her pain. I feel, mm. I feel the, I, I, I feel the massive empower the power imbalance between mm. the social worker and probably her parents, probably Pat's parents, and yes. Pat. And I I realized that that 20 seconds of anger, 40 seconds of anger and fear of her was completely wrong. And my belief is mm. uh, the belief that I thought I'd bust, uh, the belief that I thought had been busted gets busted a thousand yeah. times more than it was. Well, it's just like double bust same, that. Yeah. yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it's the same. And that's the thing, I think, with healing for me is it's the same lesson at a deeper and deeper level. Mm. There's always further to go. Mm. There's always further to go. Um, it's not the Santa Claus belief is once and done. Yes. Yes. But scotched. The, yes. Yeah, scotched. The, the um, lovability. Our lovability mm. is a, a, a infinite has infinite depth. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, definitely. And the biggest thing for me and healing was looking at it from two perspectives. So psychologically healing forever yeah and spirit wise never wounded yeah nice but i, I but but i i've been you were talking about spiritual uh sidestep i think some some people call it spiritual spiritual bypass as well yes you talked about meditation to um, to zone out. Mm. I never did. I, I never. I never done any meditation at all. Well, right. maybe tried it a couple of times. Don't you? But I, I couldn't. Yeah, I, I think I tried it once. I, I couldn't. I, you know, there was too much going on in my head for for it to. Um. So. I, I think I was. You know, some of my stuff was with, I was on a, 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 a mission stuff. The exploration was a mission. So it, yeah. was, it was. That makes sense. It was, it was, there, was a, there was a touch of desperation about it. But un, until I saw this thing, also, I think I was out of touch, right, with this purely unwoundability stuff. I, 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 was, I was out of touch. I, I think I was out of touch with you and I was in touch with out of touch with other people until I got the two bits. Yeah. That's what I think is on my opinion on Dick Schwartz, the power of, of Richard Schwartz and internal family systems is it's got the psychological and the spiritual yeah. without the woo woo, without yeah. the religion. Yes, I get it. I and completely I, agree. I think, sorry, completely agree. I, I, I think pure psychology. I have listened to lots and lots and lots of people who whose uh, certification, yeah. whose training is classical stuff, and they still use all those letters, but they don't lose. They don't use what they learned back in the day. They are far more into the uppercase S self stuff. Yeah. Because they've realized that the, the, the pure play psychological stuff doesn't have the power mm -hmm. of the spiritual stuff. So I, that's for me is the genius. And yes. That's for the genius in, in, in uh, addiction monster stuff because it does. I agree. And, yeah. and it doesn't make you, it doesn't make you a nutter. No, no, no. It, it doesn't make you a nutter. It, and, yeah. uh, it's just uh, gold. Yeah. <laughs> it's gold. And the title is, uh, I, I think, 
we 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 you you've talked about um numbing did you use numbing and stuffing and yeah so i think we we numb we stuff we deny what else mm -hmm. do we do what else do we do numb stuff deny obliterate Yeah, and we just also we just avoid. We don't avoid. go there. Yeah, avoid. Yeah, let's yeah. just not go over there. That looks a bit tricky. Yeah. So, it's we're we're pushing our bad parts away. Yeah, as bad parts. Yeah, yeah, and saying that they're bad parts, bad parts. when they're poor souls nice. are just trying to help us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And good intentions. we we we've. See, I, I did it. I just did that in my in my own the, the routines running in my head, me whatever my neuro whatever's they are, right? <laughs> I designate a part or a feeling as bad and I try and push it away. Mm. So I'm like I, I'm I'm trauma shaming myself. Yeah, yeah, as I, if it's I, not right. To as feel... if it's not right. Yeah, but then the book title says it all. No, bad parts. parts. So we're not trauma shaming ourselves. No. Not, and if we don't, if we don't shame, if we don't shame. Um, uh, if we don't shame our, our bad, bad, you know, in upper in in, in yes, yes. If, if we don't if we don't shame the, the 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 trauma stuff. If we don't shame our bad parts, if, then we we don't. There's, there's no need to deny them. There's no need to avoid them. There's no need to yeah, chuck them into the shadow. Them. There's no need to what? Put them back into the shadow, out of sight. Put them out, back into the shadow. Yeah. yeah. So the title said it all. No bad parts. Yeah. Fantastic. There is no bad part. Parts. None of us have any bad part. No, isn't it magic? It is, and 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 it's it is magic. It it, it is magic. That's the thing. Mm. The psychology sounds very plausible, but it's the magic stuff that yeah that does the heavy lifting stuff. But the, yeah, it, yeah, you're right. The sort of intangible, um, you know unwritable um love in the self that beautiful place of yeah. self is just yes it, it's like it, we, we get a newspaper on a on a saturday and sunday and um at, at the moment it's it's january 2024 when we're recording this it, it it's full of the health kick stuff for the year right yeah so you you read and i, I don't bother reading it i just see the headlines and i just think oh, like no, and you sometimes I'll, I'll read the thing, and it's like it, this all sounds like really good advice. It sounds it sounds very reasonable. It sounds very thought out. Yeah, I can see that working. Mm. But does anybody do it? No, no. Don't. <laughs> no. because it's the same articles, right? So yeah, in the run up to Christmas, they've been telling us stuff your faces. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then in, in 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 January, it's work off all the calories that we told you. Yes. Stop it now. That's Stop enough. it now. We've had, <laughs> you know, we've had uh, Jamie. We've had Jamie Oliver's. Um, we've had his uh, five thousand calorie Christmas cake. That, yes. You know, you 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 got really cheap articles written by journalists. Um. Uh, to 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 gorge on all these calories and now yes. and do the repair now yes you got to do the repair now and so the, the the there's so much logic but it doesn't change anything no you know like I call them I used to call them um, you go down you know when I go down the swimming pool uh, I I call the the people because it's busy right in January yeah I call them resolutionaries. <laughs> I love it. Right. So they're Perfect. like resolutionaries. Res love resolutions, it. and we're all we're all you know, they, they we're all saying, "Well, yeah, been chaos in the pool today." Yes. Well, wait till, wait till February. Yeah, they'll all be gone. They're starting to go from my gym already. <laughs> Brilliant. 
So is there anything that you'd um, like to share that I've not asked you about? I don't think so. Let me just see. I think as a result of this, I have been able to have better relationships and be more authentic, you know, without fear and rejection. So I think some of the work, all that work, has not only brought me a, a more manageable nervous system, but also, you know, sort of relationship bonuses. In a way, it was too frightening before. Yeah. Don't risk rejection. Don't you know, risk don't risk conflict. Just and, nod and agree and, you know. And, and that's, it just hit me between the eyes. The, the, the newspapers are full of that stuff. They're full of the relationship stuff. Yes. But we have to go upstream. We have to yeah. go upstream up, up to, to, to the, 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 the work stuff, the doing the work stuff. Definitely. It starts with us. No, if that's the foundation. Yeah. So I, we don't, I, I don't run a podcast about how to have better relationships. Yes. With other people. It, it's about having, having a better relationship with yourself, I guess. Oh. So yes. we've got to go upstream. Definitely, we've got to go. We're going to go upstream and do the uh, do the, the the deep work on the yeah on the inside and, and sure. that flourishes on the outside. But the newspapers mm. and the self, you know, most most of the world is is focused on the uh, the downstream kind of activities. Yeah, that are, are all the until you've done the stuff further upstream. Yeah. You're always going to be waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think as well that adoptions really changed, you know, since we were kids. You know, I think that what the people who are getting adopted now are already traumatized youngsters. The the next generation of adoptees, it'll be different again, because now you know you haven't got the stigma thing. People can have babies on their own; it's not a problem. You know, this this sort of single mum shame things gone and you know with contraception as it is now um i think the next generation of adoptees are going to have it you know because they're all you know they're being taken into care being taken off parents who are struggling one way or another there might be addictions there might be domestic violence there might be heaven knows what um and so you there's double trauma there and of course, a lot of our generation had double trauma too. You know, you don't just get adopted and that's the end of the story, do you? But yeah. Um, yeah. I came to, you talk about double trauma. I came to this idea a couple of weeks ago that I think trauma multiplies, right? Oh, yeah. So if you put the relinquishment trauma and then you put some, say, some abuse trauma in the adoptive family, it's yeah. not relinquishment trauma plus abuse trauma. No. It multiplies. So it yeah. kind of gets big, bigger. Bigger, definitely. Because you've got a system. The starting point is different. The starting point is already in a, you know, wobbly place. It's not like starting from baseline normal. You know, you're starting from baseline yeah. already you know traumatized yeah. yeah i think you're right so there's lots lots more work to do for the coming generations and of course we've just had our law change in the uk which is great news yeah, yeah finally we've got rid of ofsted so um this this is the law about who uh, who can offer therapy to adult adoptees yeah lifted on the 18th of december finally not before time. Yeah. Thank you for your work on that. Oh, we did. We weren't for letting it go. We badgered and badgered and badgered. Yeah. Yeah. And after double. I think we and can be we... very persistent. I think adoptees can be very persistent. Yes. Yes. I think we have, and, we've had to be. <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, my persistence has some is is not always. It is it is not always wise. 
right persistence with this law stuff that yes work, right yes. me and doing me and persistence i, I think sometimes uh, i maybe i go into some sort of denial stuff and i'm flogging a dead horse do you know what i mean I don't, uh, yeah 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 but i think we are pretty persistent yeah. I, I don't tend to like many generalizations but that one seems to be i'd say so sticks yeah because all i mean we've all been kicking around for a few years haven't we now yeah. doggedly you know pursuing the cause of adoptees yeah for sure. sure yeah so people can you can check uh Julie out in the show notes yeah it's a linkedin to a, a linkedin profile a facebook and do you want to tell people about their retreats that you run as well yeah we do run um in-person retreats myself and my colleague lara who are adoptees in alliance and we ran one last summer which was our first one and it just was like oh creating a family it was brilliant um and we've got another one happening in may which is fully booked sadly so it's closed but we are looking to carry on doing um retreats and people just keep coming and finding a lot of value in them. And we do some online retreats as well with howtobeadopted.com, who also publish those. We ran one two weeks ago that worked pretty well. 41 people showed up for that. So that was good going. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. And what's the do, – do you is, – is it story sharing? Is it talking about healing? What What's the focus? A potpourri, really. You know, there'll be a mixture of – insights there might be some some of the stuff we've talked about today there might be because so many topics in re, you know in adoption isn't there there's you know there's being adopted our experiences living with your birth family living with your adoptive family finding reunion you know having a dodgy nervous system there's so much to it um you know relationships how it affects our relating to others how it affects our whole life so there'll be usually a mixture of some input some sharing some relaxation-y stuff. Claire does a bit of, you know, relax your nervous system yoga. I might offer a meditation. So we'll do a whole mixture. But we do, we're mindful to give people opportunities to share and talk. So we tend to do a topic and then have a like 20-minute breakout room so people can talk about that topic. And then there'll be another topic and more time to chat. Right. So it's very much people and can that, uh, So people can find out about those on howtobeadopted.com, yeah? Yeah. They can, and I'm probably best found on Facebook, right. or you know, Adoptees in Alliance. Um, Lara Leon is my colleague's name. She has a, a web channel. I think she's got now, um, with their lectures and things about adoption. Cool, and yeah, that's so, Adoptees in Alliance. That yes, uh, well, Lara Leon. It's her her site, but she puts some of our stuff on there. Okay, so well. I'll I'll find the 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 links for that, listeners, and you'll. Uh, uh, Fabulous. We'll, we'll, um, we'll signpost you that. Thanks a lot, Julie. Wonderful. Nice to chat to you. Lovely to talk to you too. Yeah. yeah. You have to come down to join us on something. Yeah, for sure. As a speaker. That'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks, listeners. We'll speak to you very soon. Take good care. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>